Welcome to A Thousand Words, a podcast that paints a picture about an artist's creative process. This is a lens to focus on the unique perspective of a specific artist, hopefully drawing insight into inspiration as we brush up on how imagination provides a groundwork for artistic exploration. We're excited to continue that journey today with our guest. Mark Daniels grew up in Elida, Ohio and developed a love of creative drawing and art making at a young age by observing the animals or digging in the dirt growing up. Mark was equally happy inside, busily creating his own fictitious characters, sketching portraits of people, and experimenting with different drawing mediums all through his formative years. It wasn't until he attended Goshen College as an art major that he received any sort of formal training. Mark pursued art making at home after college, completing commissions, getting gigs as a uh, caricaturist, leading art workshops, and attempting to sell his artwork at small art fairs. As he developed his creative, his skill as a caricature artist, he still craved to paint on canvas. Mark's art career took a backseat for a time as he and his wife bought a house and started a family. Mark got a job teaching at art at Bethany Christian Schools, where he learned that he was not cut out for classroom teaching. After three years of teaching, he made the decision to become a full-time artist. He completed a small series of small mixed-media flower paintings that he really enjoyed and was pleased when his unique way of depicting flowers gained approval from his growing fan base. After the sale of those watercolor paintings, subsequent greeting cards, and running more art workshops, Mark found he needed a space to do the messy work of creating. He found a fantastic studio space in the Irwin Art Center in Goshen, where he currently resides. He, is cre- he credits his wife as his inspiration to paint the birds and flowers that he does. As an interpretive naturalist, Krista teaches the public of the importance and uniqueness of native flora and fauna in the Midwest. It is important to her that people understand and care for the natural world around them. This passion has also influenced Mark to celebrate her work and the native, important and beautiful creation around us through his artwork. Mark loves creating vibrant paintings using his skill as a character artist to distill an identifiable subject into exaggerated angular color shapes and lines, leaving a recognizable but impressionistic depiction of said subject. Mark is passionate about sharing what he has learned about color theory, painting techniques, and his methods with others. Mark's paintings always have a striking sense of rhythm and fun disarming compositional elements that make the painting seem to come alive. Mark has artworks in numerous private art collections throughout the U.S. and has won a number of awards in area art shows. So thanks so much, Rock and Hills, for being with us. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, why don't we just start off? Can you uh, describe the piece that you uh, brought in with you today? So I'm currently working on <clears throat> a Pileated Workpecker. Um, this is probably my, uh, it's not the largest piece I've ever done. Um, but I'm getting into bigger pieces. So it's a pileated woodpecker. It's dancing, its arms are up. Um, it's a black and white and red bird, but um, I use purples for the blacks. And of course he's got a red crown and he's dancing. Um, he's got two uh, trunk trees behind him. Um, and I think the forest is helping him dance a little bit, adding that motion that I always enjoy adding to any kind of painting. And then when you talk about that uh, that vibrant red, um, how should a viewer's eyes move through this artwork? Well, the first thing you see is the red. 
Um, and so you're immediately attracted to it. If you are walking in a room and you uh, see this painting from across the room, um, you're going to see the red first, um, obviously, because the red does that. Um, and then you'll recognize it as you get closer, maybe, or even if you're far away that, oh, look, it's a bird. It's dancing. He looks happy. And then your, your eye kind of dances around the painting, just like everybody else's eyes do. Um, you're trying to recognize things in the painting. So like, okay, the bird is dancing <clears throat> and um, there's trees and there's foliage. And then you'll start to, if you spend any time with it, there's layers involved. And so if, if somebody's really looking, they're going to be like, oh, oh, oh. And then they're done. And that's okay with me. I've always told people at art fairs, like if, if they're walking past and I see them walking past because they got places to be, people to see, and they stop, they look, they glance at one of my pieces and they stop and look. And then if a smile creeps on their face, I know I've got them. Um, I've done my job. Like I painted my painting and now it's doing its job. Um, if, even if they like stop for two seconds, and then they keep walking, I've still done my job. Um, it's even better when they come and talk to me and ask me questions or if they even buy a piece, that would be awesome. But um, yeah, I consider that the essential work of what I do is making them stop. And why is that? So in, in such a fast-paced world, why is it so nice to be able to slow down every once in a while and take something in and appreciate it? Um, oh, I, it's just a form of meditation um, just to enjoy it. Um, for what it is and nothing more. Um, I, my, my pieces don't tend to be statement pieces. They don't tend to be um, uh, political in any manner. It's just celebrating the beauty around us in a different way. Um, and a lot of people say, Mark, I can, I can tell that's your stuff. And, <laughs> and I always tell them, like, listen, if you, move, if you went 100 miles to the any direction, you would see somebody with this, the style that they would see, right? It's, it's a little weird to me because I'm, I'm, yeah, this is me here in South Bend, Indiana or Goshen. This is, this is me. This is my style. But if, if you really open your eyes, you're going to identify certain elements of my paintings that other artists have used. And um, yeah, I'm not sure if I answered that question. <laughs> Every answer is the right answer. <laughs> right, right. Stopping, looking, meditating, and then, and, and feeling Feeling the joy that comes out of the, my pieces in particular. Um, not not all, all not all art is like this, but I tend to focus on the joy, focus yeah. on the happy, the the positive. Nice. Um, so and and people, I want people to be able to live with the painting. Mm -hmm. um, and I I don't do dark stuff. I, um, I yeah I don't want people to. I, there's something about that that I don't enjoy. Or even like to think about. And then uh, when you're doing these, uh, you know, yours is very um, angular compositions, mm -hmm. the way that you write, how is that, as you're doing these bigger pieces, how is your movement changing uh, when you're painting? Yeah. So when I do, I usually start with nine by nines. So I have these nine by nine, nine inch by nine inch um, pieces of paper. Um, that I paint on or draw on, and that helps me uh, develop a composition, develop my color theory habits um, and stuff like that. So when I'm doing that, it's just me and the pencil drawing with my wrist on the paper. 
and it's there, it's right in front of me, it's it's a foot away from my face, and it's great. Um, when you're talking about a larger piece, um, it's harder. So I, backing up, I start my sketch in my sketchbook. I draw a drawing that's like what five inches by five inches, right? I'm like, oh, I love this painting. I love, or I'm sorry, I love this drawing. But anytime I try to transfer in the past, when I tried to transfer that drawing to a larger canvas, it, it, I always struggled with that transfer. Like I tried grids, um, I, any number of reasons. So I'm spending a lot of time drawing on the canvas, and it, which, which is frustrating to me because I really, I have this inspiration to paint. And all of a sudden I'm stuck drawing, trying to get the transfer between the immediacy of what happened here in the drawing to the canvas. So what I found was I, <clears throat> I, I've seen a lot of artists do this, but I don't know why I haven't done it. So you take your pencil, put it on a big long dowel rod that's at least a yard long, mm-hmm. and then you stand back and then you draw. And that's basically the distance between the paper and the eye. It's like almost like sitting at the desk. And so it becomes a little bit more crude, um, but it's a magnification of the action of drawing with the pencil on paper. I don't know if that is helping. So that makes it more of a a macro size. So that's how you can start growing out words is by, so you make the pencil itself. Huge. Huge. Right. And, and so then, so the, the lines that I make, because I'm stepping away from the canvas, I'm, I'm now I'm instead of two inches away from, oh, wow, that's, that's an exaggeration. (laughs) A foot away from the canvas, I'm, three feet away from the canvas. And that helps me see the whole figure that I'm drawing as opposed to one little bit. And then I have to step back and then come back in and then step back and then come back in. Um, Just like I'm doing to the mic. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I don't even know where we're going with that. Well, I was just saying, so, so... That that's an interesting technique that you use. So yeah, that that would be the easiest way to transfer. Yeah. from a five by five to something. Yeah, uh, something this is larger. what two two feet by what three feet. Yeah. So I figured that out, mm-hmm. and then so I get to painting faster. Where the inspiration hits, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to paint this now because yeah. I've I've done you know there's sketches in my sketchbook, and I look at it, I'm like, now I'm ready to do this, and I want to get painting as soon as possible. But drawing gets in the way. <laughs> um, so what I also found was I don't know why I didn't even think about this before. But you can buy, I always struggle with this word. What is it? The, it's a movie proje- projector. Oh, yeah. So you take your projector. I take a photo of the sketch with my phone, transfer it to my computer. And then I use a projector hooked up to my computer. And then I can, I can visualize, I can put that image on the canvas as big, as little, as wide, as I can turn it. I can manipulate the image on the canvas um, like, a, like a projector in school. Oh, yeah. Like the overhead projector. This is really old. This dates us. Yeah. Um, Because I don't think kids know what that is. (laughs) Um, So instead of... I can't imagine, yeah. (laughs) If there was e-learning with an overhead projector. (laughs) No, there's no no way. That's Okay, different. That's a whole different... (laughs) Well, I actually wanted to talk about that in a second, too. Um, So you said that uh, the classroom setting was not for you, yet you still like to do the art workshops. So you still have the passion for teaching. It's just the formal, the formalization of it all and the grading and and making sure my classes have, um, what do you call it? When they're stringent, they're like, hey, this A in this course means this, Mm -hmm. or this B means this. And so that I, it just didn't make any sense to me. 
and I didn't really, uh, yeah, I couldn't get, grasp it very well. Um, but I love art workshops. I love teaching. I love talking about art. Um, I just did an art workshop about making colors pop in quotation marks. And I love doing that, but it always, always, there's always the element of, okay, I'm just telling you all what I do. And hopefully you pick up something that is valuable. Um, so I love doing that and, and trying to figure out, I'm speaking out loud through my art. Like I describe the process, what I'm doing, and hopefully people can pick up what I'm doing with it. I don't know, that's not clear at all. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> and then um, when you, you said uh, you don't like that formal process of the classroom, but you also went through formal training. Does an artist need to have an art degree? Well, formal training in, you know, I'm holding up my quotation marks <laughs> fingers again, is it's more about the degree. It's what's behind the, um, the learning. So that's what, that's what I mean by formal. It's like the, the degree behind it is what I call formal, like going to school mm -hmm. to get that degree. That's formal education. Um, and what was the question? So then do you think an artist has to have oh, some of that formal no. training? No, no, I, there's, I've, and I've always told my workshop participants, I'm like, I, I always tell them like, okay, all those books you read about drawing and painting and drawing and how to do it and how to do it better, throw those in the trash. Because the only way you're going to be getting better is if you actually do it, sit down and do the hard work of actually doing it. Um, and you're learning for yourself. You're not, you can't learn for yourself if you're doing something else somebody's already doing or has done, and they're trying to teach you how to do it. Um, yeah. So getting, doing the project for yourself and learning through that is where it's at. You're never going to, you're never going to be happy with what you do <laughs> until you do it. Yeah. And then what uh, trials have you gone through where you're like, well, let me try this way. And then you're like, oh, that's not my style or that's not the way I want to see this. And you kind yeah, of it, go down a rabbit hole and you're like, okay, that's not the right rabbit I, hole for I tend me. To, I tend to overvalue my empty canvases. So <laughs> they're, I, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. Like, I, I don't want, I paid good money for this canvas. Um, and I'm getting at a lower reduced rate. So it's not like they're super, super expensive. But I don't want... And so I am always sure what I'm finishing. Like when I start, I know I'm going to finish it. So that's why I do a lot of pre-planning for somebody because I have this fear inside me. I'm like, oh, I don't want to ever want to throw this canvas away. Like I don't want to do that. Um, there's times when I, um, I want to put a knife through it because <laughs> I've started something and I didn't plan well enough. And so now it's just garbage. Like I don't know how I'm going to save this. Um, and there's several pieces that I have in my studio right now that are just sitting there and I'm like, I'm happy with it. But my wife and my friends tell me, don't get rid of that piece. Don't paint over <laughs> it. Somebody will buy it. But I'm like, I don't want that in somebody's house. I don't <laughs> want that to even be like, it looks, it looks nice, but I don't want that to be a part of my history on somebody else's wall where they say, hey, that's a Mark Daniels. I'm like, nah, it's not really. Oh, okay. It's, it's not who I am um, or who I who I'm pretending to be. Um, and, and that's always tricky too, is like my, my pretending to be an artist or pretending to be this person or pretending to be this person who does this style. So it always feels like I'm in this little mode of um, figuring out these problems so I can represent myself in this way 
visually that people can say, identify and say, that's, that's Mark Daniels and he's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I want to make sure that people are putting on their walls that it represents me. That's interesting. So I, I feel like with artists, that is something, uh, having that professional pride. Because if somebody, if I just got an internship at H&R Block, I could tell people like, yeah, I'm an accountant. Are you a good one? Whatever. I do numbers. But like with art, I feel like you always have to be like, well, no, this has to represent me. What is that like? What does that mean? What is the Mark Daniel story? Well, that's that's me, right? And I think that's that's a, a failing of my part to not embrace, fully embrace the artistic um, creative journey. So I put, there's a lot of blocks in my way to that. And so I tend to do a lot of work behind, you know, sketching, drawing, sketching. And I want, because I want to be safe. I want to make sure my my product that I'm making is palatable. It's going to sell. So part of me wants to spend all day in the studio just mucking around, just like, just throwing paint and just having fun and just doing stuff just because I want to, not because I get paid for it, because I just enjoy that process. But it turned into like wanting to make sure that I get something on the table that's worth something that I can sell. And and so I'm, I'm a little bit more consumed with that part of it than just letting it ride. And I have friends tell me, um, I've done some little little canvases because I feel like the little canvases are worthless. So I can mess around with that too much, like a lot more. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not a big canvas. Um, I'm like, we really like these over here. I'm like, ah, I was just I, I was just sitting on the toilet doing that. I was <laughs> like, just the, and it just happened. And so, but that's valuable to people that that process oriented artwork. My 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 stuff is not. Um, uh, process oriented it's more end product uh-huh. um yeah so, so then when you're dealing with like somebody saying oh this is such great work and you're like that wasn't that doesn't mean anything and mm-hmm. you're like well a canvas i have to really put a lot of time in so what does success look like to you and then what's your biggest accomplishment so far um so when that <sighs> dude that is that's a because our art is so Nebulous. It's so, I don't know if nebulous is the right word there, but it's such a weird thing. It's like, I know when I've, when I've achieved something within my own self, I'm like, yeah, this fits. This is what I wanted in my, in my vision for this piece. And it works. Um, like the paint all worked with me. Um, and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. And success to me means, um, yeah, that, that's really hard to put a, a, a to, to define because it really depends on. Yeah, I can't, I can't define that, dude. <laughs> the, 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 the Chris, my wife says, like, Mark, that looks great. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It looks like garbage. Like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit my aesthetic. I guess because I know what my aesthetic is, or I think I do, and and then when it falls into that, I I feel really good. I'm in the zone. And it might be that the piece that I really like doesn't sell. Like it just doesn't doesn't do well in the public eye. People don't like it. But for some reason, I'm like, yeah, I really love that piece. Um, I have I have a, a couple like that in my studio that I'm like I really love, and like I put a higher price tag on it just because of it. But <laughs> <laughs> they're not sell, They're not marketable because people don't respond to them the same way I I as the artist do. Um, 
And so there's this, this give and take between the artist and the, and the public, in my mind, that has to happen. There's some compromise that happens when, when that happens. Like me painting birds. Like I would love to do abstract work. That would be so much fun. If I got to pay, get paid to do <laughs> abstract work, that would be fantastic. Like it would be so much fun. But abstract art doesn't sell as well unless you're a big name. Um, and so I tend to do things that are identifiable but I get to have fun with the abstract concept behind it. Um, and I try not to get too bogged down with details. Although details are important. Yeah, I, I think, well, so one of the things that's pretty interesting too in, in going to art fairs, uh, independently selling your work, is if I, let's say, if I break my arm and I go to the doctor, um, the doctor will see me and then a medical billing person will be like, this is how much you owe that person. But as an artist, you have to price you have to market, you have to understand what the client wants, and you have to have that face-to-face -face interaction. So you can't necessarily do everything that you want. You're kind of catering to mm -hmm. a clientele. What is that process like, and how do you kind of deal with the two terms between being an artist and being a seller of art? Well, I think I'm more of a seller of art than I am an artist. Like, because of the, the concept of going in and just... And, and mucking around and having fun and, and not really thinking about it. And there's there's all kinds of artists that I that inspire me that they do that, or it seems like they do it, and they're producing fantastic looking things. And so fantastic looking in quotation marks, right? Just like, but there's my work looks fantastic because the work behind the scenes. I, and so, um, and I'm totally just ripping your question apart. Totally. Totally. I don't even remember what the question was. So the question was basically like, how do you uh, d define between um, uh, producing art and selling art? Oh, how do you bridge that gap? Oh, man. Um, so for a while, I did these little abstract paintings. They were called human perfection paintings. And I didn't think they were going to sell. Uh, and I know they didn't, but I was just like, I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make true art, you know, something that I, it feels like I'm, there's a message behind it, and, but it's still beautiful to look at. And so I tried that. And they weren't, they didn't, I didn't have a, an avenue to chase that or to make a statement um, or even develop any kind of wording around what I was doing. Um, and then I started doing caricatures and that, that's where I found, I think, my true calling is doing caricatures. I got to deal with people face-to-face, -face, draw their caricature, make them laugh um, at themselves. <laughs> um, and with me laughing with them, um, not at them. Um, and pleasing that person in real time as opposed to studio work um, was really, really key to me. Um, reading people and getting to know what actually they like. What do people appreciate? What would they spend money on? Um, and it really kind of boils down to how can I get the money out of their pocket so I can keep drawing, so I can, so I can paint on canvas because I, I want to. I, I think it's enjoyable. Um, so from caricatures, I still wanted to paint because... The because caricatures you have to work so hard, yeah. you have to put in the hours. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm doing live events, I'm there. I am working. I am, 
I, you know, drawing people, drawing people, drawing people, drawing people, especially if it's a free event or a party. Um, but it's a lot of work for that money. So painting, on the other hand, is I can spend all day in the studio and, and not work so hard. Like I don't have to, it doesn't wear me out like caricatures does because I have to be on when I'm in a caricature booth. I, you know, I become almost a different person um, with a pencil in his hand. Um, in the studio, I can be myself more and have the freedom to do. And, and then on the flip side, I'm not really thinking about the hours spent painting and painting. Um, I'm thinking about the end product um, and the size of it and what the market will bear more than I am. Yeah, that's... So I'm, I'm less worried about how much time I spend on it and more time thinking about what the product will purchase. Yeah, no, the, that makes the sense. market, what the, what market, the market will. Yeah, what, and so if I find it myself, like just recently, so I, I, this, <clears throat> this is a 48 inch by 30 inch painting. It's pretty big. Um, I typically do, do 24 by 30 inch paintings. Mm -hmm. And now when I think about it, I thought those were pretty big. And, but when I see them, some people take pictures and put them in their house, like from their house, I'm like, man, that looks really small. Like, it feels to me like it's a huge painting in my studio, but as soon as it's in the real world, oops, um, and people have it in their house, I'm like, that's a small painting. Um, same thing with 16 by 20 prints. Like, I do 16 by 20 prints. Again, people buy these prints, put them in their house. I'm like, dang, that is so little. Like, it, for just the amount of, emotional energy that they love about this piece, yeah. it really should be bigger. Like on their wall, it should be front and center because they're like, I love this. They say the word love. Mm -hmm. And they, I, and so when this product is up on their wall, it's just this little itty bitty. <laughs> I mean, it could be an eight by 10, right? But it could be bigger yeah. to, to give them that, that, that source of joy even better. Like it needs to be big. It needs to be bold, like make a decision. Um, so I'm starting to paint bigger for that reason, because it looks better yeah. on the wall. Um, is that then, part of the social life that you're living to? So, cause you, you like the characters part, you like the art mm -hmm. fair part, um, in a studio, you get your time, but you, it's a little bit more lonely, but by being a bigger piece, are you, you know, at somebody's house at a cocktail party, is Mark Daniels there? Is he, is that kind of an artist statement? In a way, mm, you know what? I, I never even thought about that. I, but that's true. Like, and what's really awesome is that people are like, I finally have a Mark Daniels or I want a Mark Daniels original. I'm like, it's right there. I mean, I'm just, I'm right here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just a little guy that paints in his studio and you like it. So um, when they say that, it really makes me like cringe a little bit because I'm like, oh man, I, the 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 deal is is that just like just like the doctor that needs to get paid right or just like the contractor who gets paid mm -hmm. um it the the monetary part of it is just the the weirdest thing yeah um and what to price it and and how to price it um and generally when i do paintings like this this um i about called him a pineapple uh <laughs> pileated pileated woodpecker is i have somebody in mind that i'm painting it for that I think that will buy it. Yeah. And so, um, and 
when I make it, that's that person or that group of people is in my mind. Yeah. And I know that somebody might buy it before them. And so there's that element of what the marketplace brings me. Yeah. The, the things that I'm hearing from shows and uh, what people actually tell me on the internet. Um, when I see the word love, that means people are willing to probably spend money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the iPhone. Like people love their iPhone. So they're willing to spend... I don't have an iPhone. Um, but they're willing to spend more money on something that they love mm-hmm. than something that they don't don't really care for or they're, they don't really care what it is, right? Like your sandwich. <laughs> well, uh, so is that why you said representation of it matters so much? Because they're having it at their house? So it's the same as if, if, if you have the clientele in mind, mm-hmm. you also have kind of the scenery in mind. So like for me, it would be like, oh, I'm going to so-and-so's house for a Halloween party. I'm going to dress like this. Oh, I'm going to so-and-so's house for a housewarming. I got to dress like this. So is your painting kind of you at their place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I've never even thought about that before. Uh, like you said it earlier, just like right before I started talking. And uh, yeah, so I've never even thought about it. I'm going to use that next time I'm in my booth at the art fair. I'm like, listen, I'm in your house all the time now. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and that's a part of it. Um, and I think part of it too is the they're bringing me inside their house. Mm-hmm. And that's true because um, they meet me. Yeah. And a part of meeting an artist is getting to know them as a person. And I've heard it time and time again. They're not really buying your art. They're buying you. Mm-hmm. They're they're buying a piece of you, right? They're 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 taking this. I'm like, I want his energy on my wall. Yeah. I if I look at that piece, I remember Mark and what he's doing, and I hope he's doing well. You know. And so that's that's another part. I, I and I'm I almost get emotional just thinking about that aspect. Like my people buy my art, put them on my wall, and they're like, oh, I I want him to do well. Because yeah. I really like this guy. And so that that man, dude, that that's uh that's deep. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you know, and, and that's part of the transaction too. So yeah. when people buy my piece, it could be a card, it could be um anything that they buy from me. Um, there's an emotional connection right away, and I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Like especially if it's a big painting, I'm like, thank you for loving me enough to, 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 to do this for me. Cause I want to keep doing it. Um, but I can't do it if I, if I can't feed myself, if I can't mm-hmm. uh, pay for a roof over my head. And I, it feels like I'm pretty conservative with my money. I don't, you know, all my cars are 12 years old. Um, and I think that's normal, but I don't expect to get rich. I don't expect to like live lavishly selling my art. Um, it'd be nice to be able to maybe retire and maybe go on a vacation once in a while because mm-hmm. <laughs> we've never left the United States um, or, or have taken vacations uh, because the, the each penny that I sell, that money is already gone. Like it's already, it's already taken because I've learned how to budget. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> when you do these... Uh artistic uh, pieces and you are kind of um, building that idea or that um, what do you do to like keep yourself motivated interested in your work well 
there's a lot of birds in the world, right? <laughs> so that's good enough motivation. <laughs> and there's lots of flowers in the world too. So you have, so I have a list that it, just yesterday I did it. I made, I did a little list. I said, okay, pileated there. And then what is the next painting that I'm looking forward to, to do that, that falls in line with what I'm doing here so I don't have to reinvent the wheel. But that's a whole nother subject. So I have a list of birds that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I have ideas for. Yeah. And then in that list, sometimes is a commission. And so that kind of flips my world around when somebody says, I really want you to do this. I'm like, okay. And then they pay me. And then I'm on my game at that point. I, that list has to go away. And I have to concentrate on this thing, this brand new thing yeah. that develops yeah. this whole nother <laughs> series of problems that I'm not really in the mode for. Like this pileated has, has color theory wise, it has reds, purples, greens, and it has a yellow uh, backdrop. So that's what I painted on is the yellow. So that is a problem that I solved, right? And the previously I was doing yellow flowers and I was... And, and, there's a there's a method to the layering and and stuff to make them make the colors pop. And so when I'm outside of that, if I have to interrupt that process, because yeah. I usually like to take what I've learned in a piece and just do it in a slightly different way in my next piece. Oh yeah. So I don't have to relearn the color theory that I had just learned. Um, I'm not very um, analytical, so I'm, I'm very so. But but I am if I can recall it quicker. So if I, if it just happened, I can remember it better, right? I can remember Mm -hmm. the process, but if, and then, um, I do the piece and then I do it the next piece. I've, I've realized, okay, I'm going to do the same thing, but just a little differently. And then you'll see a progression of my art of uh, maybe a year ago. You'll see that I've done similar kinds of thing, color theory things, and then just something different changes. Commissions throw that all out of whack. And I have to relearn I have to make everything up yeah. um, and problem solve. Uh-huh. Like, and and it's usually the customer that wants a specific thing. Mm-hmm. And usually, I try to steer away from those customers. Yeah, um, I charge them more for one. Um, but that's because I have to work harder to to uh, produce that product that they want, and, and that's okay with me. Um, and there's a give and take there too. Is there so <laughs> you've used pricing a lot of times to deter? Mm-hmm. in art. So either if it's something you really like, you'll price it high. Well, sleep. it's not so much that I like. If I feel if I feel like that's going to be easy for me, yeah. then my price will come down. Especially if the if the customer is like, um, I like what you do. Do this bird. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Like, do you want it? And no, no. Just pay me a bird, Mark. And what? how much do you want me to pay you? Yeah. And, and I do it. And they're like, and then the the on the back end, they're like paying me and they're like, oh, I love it. This yeah. is so great. As opposed to a customer who says, hey, I need, I want you to do, a, a, I don't know, a turkey and this and and make sure that this these flowers are in it yeah. and make sure that it looks like it's sand dunes or make sure it has the blues that you like, you know, and they're telling me in their mind's eye what they want on the canvas. Yeah. Like they're using me to draw what's in their head because yeah. they can't. That's when my price gets high. Um, because I'm like, you're not, you're not using my gifts or mm-hmm. you're not letting me create the thing. Um, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a dance too. That, that whole I can't really explain it. Um, they're asking me to do something outside my comfort level, and they're expecting a result. Yeah, the, in their mind's eye, they're expecting. I can I can read it in their whatever they say to me. I'm like they have this expectation. Everybody does. Yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, what the expectation is, and if I feel like it's going to be really hard to meet their expectations, mm-hmm. um, I I dissuade them. <laughs> like maybe you should paint it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Or find somebody else because I, I don't want to do that. I mm-hmm. don't. Um, I, I just got a, I, I was this close to getting commission from a guy who saw my uh, bald eagle painting. So the bald eagle is coming in and he's, he's looks like he's going to grab a fish out of yeah. midair, right? And so that painting was a commission to begin with. I want a bald eagle. Okay. So bald eagle, they're, they're not, they're they're not really hunters. They're more scavengers, right? Yeah. So they're kind of a dirty bird. <laughs> they're um, they're a little more like seagulls, super aggressive seagulls. Um, and so I did that painting, and somebody else saw it and said, "Oh, I love that. I love the hunter vibe it gives off." I'm oh. like, "That's not my aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Like my aesthetic you is." You said you stay away from dark. Yeah, dark, dark yeah. and that like dipping into dark. And I, but the bald eagle hunting in its reality. Yeah. I mean, hunt. They, they got to eat. So. That's reality. What they do, it's a it's a raptor bird, so they're gonna they're gonna kill stuff, right? Woodpeckers and little little nut hatches. If they don't, they maybe kill insects, which we enjoy, right? They got to eat. Yeah. Um, but he wanted, he loved the hunter vibe it gave off, and he loved my style, like the way I did it. And he's like, I love it. Can you do Moby Dick? Can you do a giant whale with the? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do a whale, great. And he's like, but with a hunter, like oh. with with. With yeah. is it Ahab? Yeah. Like, can you? And I'm like, oh, you want Captain Ahab hunting? <laughs> right. It's like he's like, I love, I love that idea. I'm like, ah. Um, and that conversation went away. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't really want that to be. I didn't want that painting to be in my portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And because uh, I'm like, in this piece, this Moby Dick piece, why'd you do that? Because somebody told me to. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an art whore. That, that's basically what it would say. Oh yeah, okay. Like, I'll just do whatever, whatever people want me to do, and typically that's what happens, especially with caricatures. People ask me to draw stuff, so I do it. So, but, um, so, yeah, picking. I'm I'm lucky enough that I get to say, try to dissuade people, yeah, from hiring me, as opposed to saying no, I'm not going to do that because that feels presumptuous. That doesn't feel good to me to say no, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm I'm too good for that. Like I will try, and I'm going to sneak a little bit of me in there. Yeah. And you have to understand that me is going to sneak out anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like that, then we can't have this conversation. Because it, if you're not allowing me to be a part of that conversation, I there's no way I'm going to be able to complete this piece to satisfy your eye. Yeah, and you don't want you don't want art created at gunpoint where somebody's commissioning you for something that you don't like right. or anything like that. Well, at, at some point, at some point you have to, yeah. uh, when you're growing as an artist, yeah. um, I think you, you have to definitely do those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never a gunpoint. You never do anything like that, but you're, you're, um, yeah, it feels like you're finding yourself, you're finding your voice, you're yeah. finding your, the way you do things, how you function. And, um, when I got rid of all my brushes except my flat brushes, that's where the key was for me. Like I just used flat brushes for my paintings. Um, that was a key to me, and that's what developed my style. So now that's what all I use. 
And, and so I know where my limit is in terms of what people want from me. Um, and when they start the conversation with, I don't have a really good example, but when they start the conversation with, do you know Picasso? I don't know. He, I'm just throwing him <laughs> yeah. under, under the bus here a little bit. Like, do you know Picasso? Yeah. Like, can you do, can you do a painting of, <laughs> yeah. of that pileated bird, but like Picasso? And I'm like, no, I no. <laughs> like, but I'll, you know, I'll give you $3,000 to do it. I'm like, no. Yeah. Because it would be so much work for me to stop what I'm doing and and develop this whole other thing, problem solve this using elements of composition and colors and everything else just to be like Picasso. And I'm like, I'd rather just be like me. And um, and, and that really brings up uh, something about what happened when I was painting rain barrels, when I start, first started painting rain barrels yeah. for an auction. So I was doing these abstract things. And then when I was painting rain barrels, I was getting to the deadline of painting this rain barrel. Mm. And I was like, okay, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm struggling. This is not really appealing to me. This, this, this composition that I have on this barrel, I'm like, it's not working. I do not like it. I was like full attention. I'm like right now I'm just using my hands and I'm like getting nervous. Yeah. Like I can't do this. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, it's got to be done tomorrow. I've got to <laughs> get it done. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, just, just make the marks that you want to make. I had to tell myself that out loud. Like, just make the marks you want to make. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And that rain barrel mm-hmm. got so that got a bigger response. Oh wow! From the public, mm-hmm. like these little things that people say that you don't realize mean so much. Like, I really like that. That is, that is, that is neat. Or they're saying different words that I have didn't really hear before with my other more tight refined, like, oh, I did a really beautiful watercolor painting of this flower that looked just like the flower. Uh It's really beautiful. It's really nice. But they're like, oh, that's nice. But there was another element. There was like an X factor to the, the, this flower painting barrel that I did that when I was just like doing things that I wanted to do, people responded to that in a completely different way. Um, And I, and I was in a space to do that. I was, I was in the market, the art market that surrounded me or the people that my the people that who supported me or I can't I, I hate the word fans um the people who who pay attention to me yeah your community um, yeah my community well it's not even the community yeah. just that the people who pay attention to me okay yeah. um or or keep an eye on mm-hmm. me um I don't like the word fans <laughs> it, it feels wrong it just doesn't feel good um they they responded it they responded to that piece. Uh, in a way different way when I was just attacking the canvas, making my own decisions. Sometimes it happens when I'm working on a piece, I just step back and say, just make a decision and just do it because you know what you're doing. I have to tell myself that. It's just me in my studio and I'm like, just do the thing. Just (laughs) (laughs) quit worrying about it and just do it. Um, So this piece, um, the uh, Pileated Warbecker, so his breast is very washed out. It's very uh, gradual. So most of the, all the other, if you look at the rest of the painting, yeah. it's very contrasty. Like mm-hmm. you can see strokes, you can see, you know, differences, you know, different shapes, triangles, squares. And the, the breast there of the pileated is more gradual. Yeah. Right? It's a, more of a wash. And so that part bugs me. <laughs> but at the same time, my inner voice is saying it's okay. 
it's fine. And then at some point I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? I'm like, add yellow. The back of my head is like, add yellow. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm guessing I'm adding yellow. And then and I start doing it. <laughs> so I have to make sure that I'm listening to that voice. Yeah, it tells me, just do what you do because people will respond to those decisions. Um, and that's what I want. I want people to respond. Yeah. And as people respond, you, you said earlier that, um, you know, a lot of people like uh, when they put their your work up, they'll look at it and they'll say, oh, I hope he's doing well. Is an mm -hmm. artist's life, are you, are, are artists naturally the underdog? <laughs> <laughs> If you want to, yeah, easily, easily. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen so many young artists um, feel like they're getting trampled on. Um, that's a really hard question because it, um, there, it's, it's. You have to learn how to be open to criticism. Um, I, I'm going to say I, not you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I opened myself up to criticism. I also figured out how not to care uh, so much. Yeah. And I also, with my circle, my human perfection series paintings, I'm like, I learned there, like, I wasn't meeting a market. I wasn't meeting any kind of need for this type of art. I, and I'm like, that's not, that's not the public's fault. That's, that's on me. And so there's a dichotomy there between creating art for yourself and then going to an art fair and expecting to sell the art that you make for yourself. Mm -hmm. Guess who's, guess where the market is if you're making it for yourself. It's in your studio and the person that is painting the painting is the market. It's nobody else except maybe your, your mom. Yeah. Um, or, and then, but, but at that, I want to say too, is that you, the, the, if the market is like that, there is a market for it, but it's such a niche, niche, is yeah. that right? Yeah, niche, I think. Um, a niche word. It's a niche um, market that you might be able to get a student, you know, you might be able to get a gallery show somewhere. Oh, okay, yeah. If, like, I love your stuff, like, but it, that that's like looking for a needle in the haystack. And the connections, you have to have broad connections to make that sure that happens. Mm -hmm. If you're making stuff for yourself, and then you, you yeah. The, the art world is weird like that. Um, the big artists that make it big is because people who had money were like, like, I like that. I want to buy it. Right? Yeah. And then somebody who else had money said, oh, he bought that. That must have, that must mean it's good. Whatever good means. Mm -hmm. And and so the, he, the artist is like, great. You know, I have two multi-million dollar people buying my paintings and I'm just doing what I'm doing. I got lucky. <laughs> so I think that's a part of it um, is the people who have money can afford the art, right? Um, at prices. And sometimes it's exorbitant. It, it's a little crazy. Um, I don't even know what the <laughs> question was anymore. I'd say that a lot. <laughs> if, well, if the artist is an underdog, is there, yeah, as yeah. you were talking about with the art world, is there things that you dislike about the art world? No, I think it's fun. I, um, just because I've, I've figured out how not to care so much. Um, because I don't, because I've met the market where it's at. Like if my paintings don't sell anymore, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm not doing what the market needs. And I'm not talking 
the United States market. I'm talking about Goshen, Indiana market. Um, so, see, I lost your question again. Uh, just uh, anything you dislike about the oh, artwork. Yeah, but uh, no, if it, the, the question moved on to, yeah, just the, the market that you're building though. So you said, yeah, not the United States, but Goshen, Indiana. So what does Goshen, Indiana need? <laughs> well, apparently they they love their birds, uh, and also I'm talking now. I'm talking Michiana, mm-hmm. um, so this area in general. Or and the other fine thing I found too is that it doesn't matter where you're from. Do you like my stuff? That's the other key is that people are responding. It doesn't matter where you're from. Like if you like my things, okay. There, my market is just got my my market just got bigger. So if I'm my market is actually Northern Indiana because I'm only painting yeah. uh, Northern Indiana flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. So I'm not painting um, tigers. I'm not painting bears. I'm not painting giraffes. Yeah. Right. Those are, those would sell yeah. in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. If I, if I did them, I would be selling lots of them. Pit, uh, not pigeons, Par- parrots, like yeah. super colorful parrots. Yeah. Um, macaws or macaws yeah, toucans. And, yeah. And, and, and with bright colors <laughs> yeah. and, and, and poisonous frogs, yeah. you know, and, and so that that's a part of my problem. That's a part of my my aesthetic is I'm focusing on the here yeah. and now, celebrating what's here in this area as opposed to just painting things to sell them, right? So I'm celebrating what's here. And so that's a part of my market. Absolutely. Um, right. And I think the, what makes it work, too, in northern Indiana is because we're the migration corridor. Mm-hmm. So there's all these birds and there's all these times where you're kind of like you're sitting in your back, uh, like looking out the back window and a bird like this comes and it just flies. Like you'll see a cardinal and you're like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. And it like had this perfect look. And you're like, that's so picturesque. Yeah. But I also can't take a picture of it right now because it'll run off. So you just get to enjoy it. Like uh, one of the things I love is in the morning, uh, I'll be drinking my coffee and looking out the back uh, in the backyard and there's a squirrel that always comes up. And just the way he looks, I'm like, oh, you're like, perfect. You're like, it's like me and him having like a morning family. conversation. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, well, enjoy your day. And he's like, enjoy your day. And yeah, then we'll, we'll, you fed me, dude. I said, yeah. I'll be here every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what brings the Northern Indiana market specifically because I don't think people can put words or express it, but because your wife is a naturalist, you are looking into those mm-hmm. details that become a part of everyday life that mm-hmm. we kind of drive past. But then every once in a while, when you slow down, you get to see it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I could sell more work if I did yeah. parrots and giraffes, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would be busy. And But the thing is, is that I'm, I'm busy now yeah. just because I have this list of birds. There's so many birds out there. And I take forever to paint my paintings. <laughs> That's the other issue is that I, I, like, I feel like I'm so slow. Like... Mark, just just do your thing. But yeah. I, I'm I feel like I'm painstakingly slow. It the painting looks like it's full of energy. And it looks like if you're envisioning me painting this thing, it feels like ah, he's all over the yeah. studio. Blah, blah. But it's not really. If you really look at it, it's really not that messy. Um, but but th- that takes planning um, and maybe a little too much planning. And maybe I need to loosen up. Um, uh, again, because I think I, I overvalue my canvas. Um, <laughs> I think they're way too important. Um, I overvalue everything. I have a <laughs> I have a drawer full of stickers that I'm like, eventually I'll have something nice enough to put a sticker on. And I'm like, I should just, it, it looks uh, like a free one. Oh, like, <laughs> stickers. I can't stand stickers. <laughs> I can't stand them. Yeah. Like, you're going to put it there and then what's going to happen to that product that it's on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Oh, stickers. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing of temporary permanence. Because you can take a sticker off of something, but as soon as I put it on, I'm like, well, that's, that's the place it, it goes. It goes. Yeah. Water bottles. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so what do you do to get into an artistic space or your creative zone? Me, personally? Yeah. Um, well, I, it really helps me to just be in the studio and just be there and not feeling like I have to, I have to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just in there. It's a, it's a complete disaster in there. It, it, <laughs> it, but I have everything I need there. And, and sometimes I'm like, well, I'm here. I'm paying for this space, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, uh, I, maybe I should do some art. Maybe I should do something with this space yeah. <laughs> and, instead of sitting here. But oftentimes I, it really helps me just to sit and just ruminate and think art things. I'm not thinking about taxes. I'm not I'm not thinking about laundry. I'm not thinking about what board game I want to play next or what my plans are for this evening. If I did that, I, I would be busy mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have space in my head to do this. So my space is is um, a, a space where I try to, when I walk through that door, I'm like, okay, this is my, I'm going to forget everything because I can do that. Um, my wife has a really hard time doing that, like separating um like turning that part of her brain off, like she's always thinking like, <laughs> about the next next thing that needs to be done, and and I, I want to turn that off and just be in the moment, um, in the studio, and then that's where that's where the gift of the studio space comes in because I'm like I can if you want to call it meditate, mm-hmm. I'm not really meditating. It wouldn't look like meditating to most people, um, and then and then I start painting and I'm responding in the the mantra of um, just make your decisions. People respond favorable to, you know, people like it when you make decisions, Mark. Like <laughs> people like it when you make that decision, which is, I, I think it's self-talk. Um, yeah, I think I answered that question. Oh, <laughs> so when you're talking about being in your own space and, and that, you know, that even somebody you spend a lot of time with, it, your wife isn't able to just block those things out. What's integral to uh, the work of an artist? Hmm. Um, well, an artist, to me, and uh, for me at least, um, when I draw things, I'm making artifacts of the fact that I drew something. Um, or, um, so if you eat dinner, you're eating food, right? What's left on the plate is an artifact of what you just enjoyed. So that if you look at your plate as a piece of art, that's what art is to me. It's like this thing that is left over from the activity of of what just took place. So I have lots of artifacts in my studio of things that I've done. And, and sometimes it feels like they're failures and they, and they often are um, because they don't meet they don't meet my aesthetic for one. And um, yeah, they just don't meet the, my own expectations of what art is or what my art needs to be for me. Man, I don't know. That was a, that's a really good question. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, so uh, what is, what's integral to the work of an artist? <sighs> Uh, space to do it. 
uh, the time and space to be able to just enjoy the process. Again, not having to have responsibilities. Um, integral, integral, integral. Space to do it, time to do it. The the ability to make a mess mm-hmm. with without any without any um, 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 need for cleanup or concern about that. Like that's super important. Um, really, explain that. The if if you're careful, and if um, if you get out your paint supplies for your kids, and you you say stop doing that, or you know make sure you don't get any on here. Don't make oh don't don't get that over there. Don't get this. You're stopping everything. You're like you're putting so many limits on what can actually happen. There, that, that creative process is you have to make the mess. <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it enjoyable is the the fact that you're not really worried about anything else except that process. Now given, um, and so I have a space where I can do that and I should, I should abuse it a little bit more than I do. Um, but I don't own it. So I'm a little bit more careful, right? <laughs> I don't own the walls. I, yeah. So I'm renting the space. So um, there's a little bit of that within me and like maybe I should just by the building. I was right? going to, yes. Because then I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. And, and that would just totally free up everything within me because I'm like, I own this. I, I can do whatever I want. Um, um, that's super important. Uh, is the, the non, no rules kind of thing. But it's also important to have a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're when you start painting, and often I do this in the studio too. When I before I start painting, I doodle and and I, I sketch and I just draw things just to to get my brain out of the world and into this this realm of, of visual uh, painting and drawing. And I don't know where I was going with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I totally lost <laughs> that the space to do it. The is, space to do it. Yeah. Is- yeah. Um, and time. And then when you're talking about that space to do it, is is it kind of limiting then in that factor if you, like you said, you're renting that space versus owning that space? Is there a piece in your head where mm-hmm. you're like, well, I got to... Yeah, yeah. I, I have to take care of it in a way that... Um, yeah, it, it would be it would be great if I could own the building, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, or just make a space for myself mm-hmm. um, to go crazy in. Um, because I'm not responsible. I am responsible for the building, and I could just burn it down if I wanted to, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that not not afraid to be messy is, is key to me. Um, um, going back to what's essential as an artist for an artist uh-huh. for creative spaces, or 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 to make art to so the work of an artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing is. Um, I want to say comfort, but that's not right. Um, stability. Like, making sure that when I'm done here, I can go have a sandwich. <laughs> like, making sure the bills are paid. Yeah. Um, that's really valuable to to a creative to say, my needs are being met. I don't have to go over here. I don't have to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that I can paint um, or draw or, or make music. Um so making sure that I get to be comfortable when I'm done. When I'm done creating, I'm like, I get to have a sandwich and I can sit and 
and relax and not have to worry about that second piece of life, which means income. Um, so when I, when I do, when I'm doing really well and I, and I sell a piece, I relax a little bit inside because yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Um, and the thing with being an, a mature adult, I don't think I am, <laughs> but budgeting your money is super important. Like make sure you have five months rent put away, like save that money, put, put five months rent away. Don't spend that money at all until, well, don't just don't (laughs) (laughs) go hungry to have to, um, but make sure you have that space available. Like don't squander your money. And then, so that's where the real value comes. You realize as an artist, if you're selling your money for profit, I'm sorry, selling, (laughs) selling your art for profit, you want to make sure that your 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 expenses are paid for. Mm-hmm. And really what you're doing is you're making sure that the your customers are paying for your expenses, basically. Right. So and then some, so you can have a sandwich. <laughs> um so budgeting is really important, making sure that your um rent is paid. Save your money. All right. <laughs> Perfect insight. Uh, I think a great place to end. Great. We're talking about art. We're talking about money. <laughs> I think they have a, a big convergence. And then, uh, you know, for people who are listening to this, they'll have time to go go grab a sandwich now. <laughs> now that they've been inspired. So um, thank you for listening to A Thousand Words. I'd like to thank our amazing guest, Mark Daniels, for uh, their your time, effort, and insight. This episode was recorded at Wolf Den Studios in South Bend. Our audio engineer is Dustin Tversky. We hope you enjoyed this journey of inspiration, imagination, and exploration. I'm Rodney Doss, reminding you to have fun, be creative, and enjoy a wonderful day. 